here, everybody. Can we give God some praise for spring? Warm weather, sunshine, tulips. I'm so excited about this season, and we need faith this spring. We need faith to believe that God can make all things new in our life, faith to believe that greater things are ahead. And of course, because it's spring, it means one thing here at Waterview Church. We are getting ready for the Super Bowl of Sundays in the Christian faith, Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody. We are excited about Easter at Waterview Church. And before I get into the word today, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about it so that you could start making plans now, that you could start inviting friends and enemies and loved ones and not-so-loved ones and co-workers and strangers that you meet at Target and Walmart Sunday, April the 9th. Two services, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and then in between, uh, lots of fun for kids, egg hunt, bounce houses, and so that's going to allow people coming at 9 to stay a little bit late and people that's coming at 11 to come a little bit early, and it's just going to be a great, great day. You do not want to miss it. It's going to be a fabulous weekend. And so I am trusting that you are going to help us spread the word. That's the mission that we're going to be on for these next few weeks. It's one month away, and for the next four weeks, that's what it's going to always be about and what it's going to all be about, inviting people to Easter at Waterview Church. Will you help us with that? Will you help us spread the word, text a friend, post it on social media? Let's get the word out. Let's fill this place up and see God do miracles. My name is Jason Bentley, and I serve as the lead pastor of Waterview Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to welcome you here today. Everyone that's here, thrilled to have you, and of course, those of you that might be new, maybe this is your first, second, or third time with us, we want you to know that we consider you to be a VIP, and we're thrilled that you're here. I understand that there are a lot of churches in the area. In fact, it's the Bible Belt. There's almost a church on every corner. You could be at any number of them. You could be at home. There's a lot of places that you could be, but you're here with our church family in God's presence and my prayer is that your time here doesn't disappoint, in fact, that it lifts you up and that you go out of here knowing that you have experienced, like the song we sang a moment ago, that you've experienced a touch of heaven. And so welcome today, and I hope that you feel comfortable and at ease. And later on in our programming, I'll, I'll ask you maybe to allow us the opportunity and the privilege to be able to, to pray with you and to keep you connected with some different things that are going on in the life of our church. But today, I wanted to, to share a word that is on my heart so strongly, and I'm not sure exactly who it's for and, and what it's all about, but I do know that God has been speaking to my heart, and I do know that you're not here today by accident, and that what we've experienced already in our time together is not circumstantial, that God had a plan, he, he intended for you to be here, and that he's been wanting to touch you, been wanting to encourage you and breathe life into you. And I just want to just continue in that vein as we go in our Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter number 18. Psalms, chapter number 18, we're going to read a few different verses of Scripture. Of course, if you have the Waterview app, I hope you've downloaded. It's a free resource. The digital worship guide is there. You can read and follow along with us. But Psalms chapter number 18 
And verse number six says this, I cried out to you in my distress, the delivering God, and from your throne you heard my troubled cry. My sobs came right into your heart, and you turned your face to rescue me. He stretched heaven's curtain open, and he came to my defense. Swiftly, he rode to earth as the stormy sky was lowered, and he rode a chariot of thunderclouds amidst thick darkness, wrapped and hidden in the thick cloud darkness. He hid himself in mystery darkness. He then reached down from heaven, and he reached down into my darkness to rescue me. The writer here, King David, he uses a very specific literary style, one of repetition to drive home a point. I'm sure you noticed it. It says that he's crying out in distress and then God begins to come near, but he was amidst thick darkness. He was wrapped and hidden in the thick cloud darkness. He hid himself in mystery darkness. And there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of night going on here. The psalmist is describing what's what's playing out in his current circumstances. But yet I want you to notice that despite the thick clouds and despite the darkness and despite the night season, it culminates with this Declaration of praise. He reached down into my darkness to rescue me. And from this, for the next couple of moments, I want to talk to you today on the subject, God works the night shift. God works the night shift. I just feel like somebody here today, for the last few weeks, you've been doing your best to put a smile on your face and you've been doing your best to try to keep yourself motivated and to get done what needs to, to be done. You've been trying to care for your loved ones and look out for your kids. But if we were going to be honest today, you would, you would share that maybe it's been a difficult season. And, and I know this because undoubtedly every single person in this room, we have all experienced what many refer to as the dark night of the soul. All of us have been through, are currently in, or will go through a night season. Again, we, we do our best when we're out in the workplace and when we're around others to disguise it because we really don't want to be that person, Debbie Downer, that's going to take the air out of the room and interrupt the party. So we, we paste a smile on our face. And, and, and for sure, when we come to church, we really want everybody to know that, that everything's fine. But we're really in a night season. We're going through a dark night of the soul. It was in the, was in the 16th century that a Spanish priest known as St. John, he wrote a poem about a spiritual crisis of faith, which he described as a dark night. And no, 
For those of you that love comic books, I'm not talking about Batman. I'm talking about the dark night of the soul in which light can only be found in the furthest recesses. It was later titled The Dark Night of the Soul, which was an expression that has become common among theologians and counselors and pastors to describe a a season where there is much difficulty, a season where you're just struggling to get through, a season perhaps of of a wane in spiritual fervor, a season of depression or anxiety, a season of angst, a season of heartbreak. When you're doing your best, you're singing, you're doing all that you know to do, but yet you still just can't shake what feels like just a heavy blanket that covers every aspect of who you are. None of us are exempt from this. In fact, that's why we should never ever sit in a seat of judgment concerning someone that is wrestling with a dark night of the soul because no one is exempt. Imagine the most spiritually mature and advanced person that you look up to in their life. They have been or will go through a dark night of the soul, a night season. It doesn't matter how long someone has walked with Jesus. It doesn't matter how many years they've professed themselves to be a Christian. It doesn't matter how many books or podcasts they listen to on the power of positive thinking. It doesn't matter how much money they make, education they possess, opportunities that are before them. Every single person can be touched by the night season. In fact, just to be quite vulnerable and honest with you here today, I myself am coming to you from a similar place. For those of you that might be experiencing what I'm talking about here today, know that you're not alone. Your pastor is is really in a season very similar to that in, in my own life. And it it should not surprise us because Quite frankly, even when we don't necessarily feel overwhelmed or enveloped by the darkness, we often walk in darkness. And that's the irony of our faith. Jesus is the light of the world. He calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we we have the light of truth, the light of faith. But yet there are oftentimes moments where we walk in in darkness. I mean, who hasn't? Who here hasn't felt the darkness of depression or the darkness of grief, the darkness of rejection or anxiety? Who among us has not been touched by the darkness of divorce or financial vulnerability or long-term illness? In fact, I want to say to somebody that's here today that has been suffering and battling with long-term illness, my, my sympathies and my empathy, my prayer, it is with you. There is nothing that can rob you and can squeeze the joy out of your life like long-term illness, waking up every day just struggling to get through the day. You're weak, you're tired, you're in pain. 
We're with you. Our church is with you. We are praying for you. Who, who hasn't felt the darkness of the loss of a friend, the loss of a family member? Who among us has not been touched by tragedy? You can look around this room. Every single person has experienced the night season, the dark night of the soul. But when you go to the scripture, when you go to God's holy word, and when you talk about the people that we talk about on the weekends, that we lift up as heroes of faith, champions of our faith, they all experience the same thing. The Apostle Paul the one who wrote the majority of the New Testament, the one who is single-handedly responsible for Christianity and the message of Jesus to have gone throughout the entire world, to established churches across countries and continents. The Apostle Paul, who is a hero of the faith, we see that in his life, in one place that he preached, he was mocked. And then he goes to another place to preach, and he was mobbed. And then ultimately, he goes to Rome to preach, and there he's martyred. You don't think when you're being mocked, mobbed, and martyred that you're not going to experience some level of a dark night of the soul. And then, of course, we read today out of the book of Psalms, the majority of which is written by King David, the most famous and beloved king in the history of Israel and, and probably the, the hero of faith that we all most identify with. If we would take a, a random poll, who's your favorite Bible character? I'd go on a limb and say that's probably King David that's going to be the, the majority of our choice. David, he's writing here in this passage that we read together about a night season in his life. He says, I cried out to you in my distress the delivering God, and from your throne you heard my troubled cry. And look at his language. My sobs came right to your heart. My sobs, he's distressed, he's, he's down, he doesn't know which way to turn. And he's writing about a very difficult time in, in his life, but that's not the only one throughout Psalms, throughout the narrative of his life. We see other places, Psalms chapter number 51, where his child is born and then dies, and he's feeling the weight of a huge sin that he had committed, and he understands that he's not been right, that he's failed, that he's messed up, and when you begin to read Psalms chapter number 51, you read of a very broken man, a man who it feels like has lost absolutely everything. And then there's another passage where he writes that if I ascend into heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I would, if I would grow wings and I would go to the furthest point on the globe, you're going to be there. And he's, he's encouraging himself and he's speaking to himself because that's, that's really what he knows. He's sat in heavenly places. He's been on top, and he knew God was there with him, but he had been in some very hellish environments, in some dark caves facing unimaginable persecution. His bed was made in hell, but he understood even there, God is with me. Job, we all know his story, all that he went through, but I think we fail at times to look past the first few chapters 
in the book of Job. When we talk about Job, we want to kind of gather strength from his faith early on in, in all of the tragedy when he writes things like, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's pretty impressive. That's pretty inspiring. If the book of Job only had six chapters, you get past that point and you're going to encounter a man in a dark, dark night season. In fact, at one point early on, his wife had said to him, how can you even deal with this? Just curse God and die. And that's when Job in that moment had a response of faith. But later on, we see him cursing just about everyone and everything except for God. Comes as close to cursing God as he possibly can. And then we arrive to Job chapter number 23 when he writes this, I go east, but he's not there. I go west but I can't find him. I don't see him in the north, for he's hidden. I look to the south, he's concealed. Darkness is all around me. Thick, impenetrable darkness is everywhere. And then Jonah. Jonah, he captures the dark night of the soul in Jonah 2, in verse number 2, when he prays from deep inside the belly of a great beast and says to God, in my distress, I call to the Lord. In my distress, I'm calling to you, Lord, from deep in the realm of the dead. I'm calling for help. Other translations refer to what he's saying as out of the belly of Sheol, the belly of hell, the depths of death, the belly of the grave. We're talking about a man who is at his wit's end who doesn't know if he can do it, any of it any longer. Think about that. Jonah, depth, darkness, death. And again, I don't know who I'm talking to here today, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit has brought us here today so that somebody in this room could be encouraged. That the Holy Spirit could touch someone in a very similar position because this is the language that Jonah uses to describe not only his physical location, but his spiritual languishing. And can you relate? Can you relate? Have you ever walked through a season that's so dark that it felt like hell itself? Maybe even today you're walking through that season right now, and I would imagine that you're doing like I'm doing in this same moment. I'm saying to God, why won't you get me out of the darkness? Because that's what we do. We pray, rescue me, pull me out, help me avoid this. I don't want to go through this. We're saying, why won't you get me out of the darkness? But I want you to know here today that God works the night shift. In fact, I could, I could spend hours talking about the dark places. I could talk today about the stresses and the pressures. And, and I could get us really down and really depressed, focused on all of the things that are wrong in our life. But I wanted to come today to those of you that are in those places and just recognize that you're there, but to tell you a word of faith, and that is God works the night shift. 
Because all the time that you're saying, why won't God get me out of the darkness? He is saying back to you and is saying back to us, why won't you just look and see me in the darkness? Why won't you just allow me to work in the darkness? I've got something to say to you in this dark season. I've got something to speak to you in this night season, in this dark night of the soul, because I am always working third shift. You don't like third shift. It's exhausting. It zaps you of your strength. But I'm always working third shift. When the darkness comes, you don't have to run. You don't have to be afraid of the night because in the dark moments of our life, in the night season, God is far nearer than we can comprehend. And that's what you need to know here today. God sent me on this Sunday morning to tell you he is nearer than what you realize. You may not see him, you may not feel him, but God is at work in your family, in your situation, in this church, and we ought to clap our hands and give God praise for that today. I just want to tell you today that in those times when and where he feels distant, when it feels like we're just lost in the darkness, God is in fact with us, and he's near enough to touch us, and he's near enough for us to touch him if we'll just reach out. Why? Because God works the night shift. He works the night shift. Do you know that both of the Israelites' moments of redemption occurred at night? We see in Exodus 12 and verse number 30 that Pharaoh arose in the night and he told the people to leave. So the Exodus, which then allowed people to celebrate Passover, which has then been turned into the celebration of communion, all of that was at night. It all got started. The great deliverance, the, the, the being freed from bondage and slavery, it all started at night. And almost a week later, when the children of Israel were brought to a point where they felt like they were at a dead end, they had the Egyptians pursuing behind them, and there was the Red Sea in front of them, and they began to, to, to bemoan and wonder, are we going to die here? We're sandwiched between a rock and a hard place. We see that the Red Sea, that God parted and allowed them to walk over to the other side, did an absolutely fabulous miracle, that maybe the greatest miracle of all time, that was split during the night. It didn't happen in the middle of the day. It happened at night. But not only did God part the waters at night, but the Israelites, they were assisted in the whole process by a pillar of cloud. In other words, the night got even darker, and in the middle of all the cloud and all the darkness, God was at work delivering them and bringing them to a point of safety and salvation. And then in the New Testament, we read where Paul and Silas, they were in prison for loving Jesus, following Jesus, preaching Jesus. They're bound in prison. 
and they began to sing and to worship God, doing their best in the night season, in the dark night of their soul, to continue keeping their faith strong. And the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they sang praises unto God, and it was at night when God began to shake the place, and when the doors flew open and the chains fell off of them, and they walked out of their free men. I'm trying to tell you today, church, that God works the night shift. I want to just build your faith today. I want to encourage you today that God is working. He's working in the darkest places, in the most difficult places. He's there. In fact, we're getting ready to celebrate it here in just a few weeks on Easter Sunday. But it was in the darkness of Jesus' tomb that earth-shaking things were happening. Jesus had not been buried, he had been planted. And he was in a dark place, surrounded by hopelessness, surrounded by despair, planted deep into the earth. But God was up to something that would change all humanity and eternity. Hear me today, friends. When you're in the dark, when you're grasping, and when you're panicking, God's there working. In fact, I would even tell you that, that some of his most productive times take place in the third shift. So when the darkness comes and when you walk through the night season, understand that it's an invitation to transformation. Understand that it's an invitation to trust him. You know, it's one thing to talk about trusting God. It's one thing to preach about trusting God. It's something else entirely to actually trust God. But it's in the night where we have to really grab hold of his hand, a hand that maybe we don't even feel or can't see, but we grab hold of it and we squeeze it tight and we trust that he's going to work. We're trusting that he has... has what is best in mind for our life. It's an, it's an invitation to encounter God in a deep and a spectacular way. I know that you want to encounter him when the sun's shining, the birds are singing, there's a band and everything's wonderful, but it's in the night when we can really encounter him in a very unique and a powerful way. We've got to trust God at night because God works the night shift. I want to close with this passage of scripture from Psalms chapter number 16. It says, I praise the Lord because he advises me. Even at night, I feel his leading. I keep the Lord before me always because he is close by my side. I will not be hurt So I rejoice and I am glad. Even my body has hope. Look at what he says. Even at night, I feel his leading. A couple of weeks ago, I was reminded of the power of faith in the night season. And was reminded of the power of faith during the dark night of the soul. And and how God works when over spring break... I was in Washington, D.C. and had the opportunity to go through the Holocaust Museum. And 
if you've never been, I, I would encourage you to go because it's, it's absolutely startling and unimaginable what took place, what played out in our world within really our lifetime that mass genocide was perpetrated on a group of people simply because of their race and because of their belief in God. Over six million Jews were exterminated by the Nazis and the Holocaust Museum captures all of it. Videos, pictures. It was an in-depth look at what is a horrific reality in our world. And I, I watched videos of American soldiers coming into concentration camps, death camps where people were starving to death, where bodies were piled high and scattered all around that had been exterminated in gas chambers who had been shot. Literally six million people executed without compassion, without remorse, targeted for their race, targeted for their beliefs. And so I go from newsreel to video to documentation to the very end. And along the way, we saw shoes of victims and hair that had been cut off of the women before they were sent into the gas chambers. Utterly horrified. And then it all culminates at the end where you have the opportunity to watch the first-hand accounts from survivors of this Holocaust, men and women who were rescued from these death camps, from these concentration camps. And they're all telling their heart-wrenching stories of friends and family that they watched being murdered and the hatred that they endured and how they were starved and how they suffered. So, so many things. I'll never forget. I'll never forget them weeping as they shared their story. But there was one story in particular that stood out to me. One story that I will never, ever forget. And certainly not today as we talk about the dark night of the soul. A woman said that when she arrived at this particular death camp, there were rail cars just full of hundreds, even thousands of people, and they were immediately herded off of the rail cars and were being pushed into a line to make their way to the gas chambers. They were there not to work. Some of the camps were labor camps and death camps. This was a death camp, and they were there to be executed. And as you can imagine, people that are, are weak and tired and starving and emaciated and afraid, you can imagine the kind of scene that would have been playing out. This woman said, you know, there were, there were kids crying and screaming. They hadn't eaten for days. They were freezing. There were some women that were hysterical and there were some men that were crying, couples that were being ripped apart and and, and the husband trying, 
trying to get to his wife or kids and being struck to the ground, utter and complete chaos, loud, noisy, dark. And this woman said, though the thing that stood out to me the most was not all the noise and it was not all the chaos and it was not all the fear. She said, as the people were being bunched up and herded forward, headed to the gas chambers, that the loudest sound, the loudest noise that that was heard was one group of people beginning to quote the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6.4 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And literally, as people are in the darkest night possible, the most unimaginable night season, here they are literally marching to their death, proclaiming, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And that was one group. And then there was another group that would respond to that group saying out in Hebrew, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And that's the power of faith because you can literally stare down the most horrific moment of your life, but if you've got faith, you've got what it takes to overcome no matter the obstacle. And my prayer here today as we get ready to wrap things up, my prayer here today is that as you keep marching, you just keep speaking the praises of God. You just keep fixing your heart, attaching your heart on Him. Keep reminding yourself and your family, we believe, we believe, we believe. We're not going to stop believing no matter what we face, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear. We believe, we believe because that one God who is Lord, he is Lord above all, through all, and in us all. And he is with us in the good times and in the bad because God works the night shift. Will you stand with me here today all over this building? Stand with me. And here's how... I just feel I would like to close out our time today. It's a little bit differently. Normally, if you're a part of our church, normally during during our, our, our time of worship, we, in the middle of it, give an invitation to ministry time. And we did that today, gave you an opportunity to take communion or to continue worshiping. And normally during this ministry time, normally during this time of response, we have prayer partners that are standing here in the front to pray with people that might be going through the night season or facing other challenges and difficulties in their life. But today, as I was praying about our time together, I wanted to do something a little bit differently. And I wanted to, as we prepare to go back into worship, I wanted to invite our prayer partners to come right now and stand. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing and worship as we always do, as we always wrap up our message. We're going to sing and we're going to worship. But as we do, I want those of you that might be going through a tough time in your life, I want you, as we're worshiping, just to make your way down to the front to one of these prayer partners. And we're going to be with you in this moment. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe together that the God that works the night shift is going to work a miracle in your life. Is that all right? 
Would you do that today if you're going through a tough time, if you're facing a challenge, if you just feel overwhelmed like David wrote about, uh, overwhelmed, a place of desperation, he's crying out to God. I want you to know that there are people here that love you and that care about you. This church loves you and cares about you. And most of all, our great God loves and cares about you. So right now, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and hands are lifted all over this room, we're going to get ready to worship and we're going to get ready to pray. And I just, again, I feel like today this may not be a word for everybody, but it is certainly a word for somebody. And I want to give you an opportunity today to respond here in God's presence. I want you to know you might be visiting with us today for the first, second, or third time. You need to know this about our church. We believe that God works miracles, and we believe that God answers prayer. We're not here just going through motions. We're creating space for God to move in our life. And our God is an awesome God. Our God is a mighty God, and he wants to meet you here right where you are. So will you lift your hands with me? We're going to pray. We're going to begin to sing, and then you can come to the front, and our prayer partners are going to pray with you today. But Father, I just thank you right now for the truth and the promise of your word. I thank you right now that you are in this place in a deeply powerful way. I even recognize, Father, that right now in our country, in the landscape of our country, you're moving. We're hearing reports of revival breaking out in, on college campuses and at universities where people are driving for days and coming in from all over the country to be in these places, these atmospheres where you are working and where you are moving. But Father, we don't have to go anywhere here today because you're moving right here in Mooresville, North Carolina. And that same spirit of revival, that same anointing is right here at Waterview Church. And you, God, are going to meet your people in this place right now. And I thank you for loving us. And I thank you for giving us the faith so that we can sing and so that we can continue moving forward despite the obstacles and despite the situations. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, church, let's worship. We're going to close things out today with our final act of worship. And this is when we worship the Lord through the giving of our money and our financial resources to continue to build his church and to move forward what he's put in our hearts as his vision and mission. And so ways that you can do that are coming up on the screen. And I want to mention to those of you that are VIPs here today visiting with us for the first, second, or third time that again, we're overjoyed that you're here. And I pray that you're leaving encouraged and inspired and love knowing that there's a God that loves you, you can church that loves you and we would love to be able to pray with you and for you, be able to keep you connected with different things that are happening here in the life of our church. So there's a card that's there at your, just fill it out, indicate that you're a VIP. And then as you leave, you can drop it off in the box or take it to the tent in the lobby and we'll give you a free gift. And we're not going to do anything weird, like just show up in your life somewhere uninvited. We're just going to pray for you, and we're just going to keep you connected with what we're doing as a church. And then in addition to that, because you're trusting us with your information, we're going to feed a child in extreme poverty three meals in a day 
in the continent of Africa or in the country of Honduras. So just by being here today, we're going to start changing the world together. So Waterview, will you help me welcome all of our VIPs here today? I pray that you enjoy this first week of spring. I pray that the sun's shining, that you enjoy this fabulous weather. Go and make your life matter. We'll be back here next Sunday getting ready for Easter, getting fired up about inviting people Sunday, April the 9th. We love you. Go. Have an amazing week. God bless you. Make your life matter in Jesus' name.